Hi, and welcome to the Making the Media podcast. My name's Craig Wilson, and thanks for joining us for what is the final episode in Season 3. We are taking a short break over the summer, but we'll be back in September with a new season. Remote working was something many of us had to do at work to get through the COVID pandemic. And in the world of post-production, it began as a must-do solution to keep things moving in the days of social distancing and restrictions. But it soon became obvious that, even when the pandemic restrictions lifted, elements of these new ways of working were here to stay. For some, it brought flexibility to their working life, perhaps a better work-life balance. But for others, particularly newer staff members, it made their integration into the team more challenging, starved as they were from the day-to-day interactions, which means so much when learning your craft. So what is the situation now? To discuss this and other issues in depth, our guest for this episode is Ed Bengoa, Director of Post-Production at ITN in the UK. Originally from Spain, Ed has worked in a variety of different roles in the industry, moving from audio post-production with Molinaire and the BBC, through to management with the Tenopolis Group, before starting at ITN two years ago. So I began by asking her to outline her current role. So my current role at ITN is I'm Director of Post-Production. So I run the post facility within ITN and we work not just with ITN, we also have uh, commercial um, work. We do a lot of work for um, ITV, Lift and Entertainment and uh, production companies like that. But mainly uh, our job is to work internally. So we work with uh, ITN Productions, I would say is uh, 95% of our um, our work, but we work with all the different um, parts of ITN. Uh, as you know, they've got like seven distinct um, areas uh, from you know, the newsrooms to ITN sport, business, news and archive. Um, so we service uh, all of them up to a point, not the newsroom so much. We do some long form uh, work for ITV News uh, long form team, like uh, on assignments and the tonight shows, but uh, it's mainly ITN productions and they you know, they keep us busy. They're super, super busy. They've had the busiest year ever last year. And I think this year they've already surpassed that. So they have huge amounts of commissions from, um, from you know, you know Channel 5 documentary, all the UK broadcasters, as well as Netflix, Amazon Studios, Peacock. So we do a lot of um, HDR work for them now um, as well. So it's really varied type of content, varied um, amount of um, uh content from all of the other kind of it's things like you know we, we do anything like you know help um for example business with corporate work and then we we do hdr so it's kind of like very varied as i say um amount of content yeah now people might be surprised i mean itn obviously is you know very well known as um, a news provider you know it has an international reputation as a news provider um not just here in the uk people might be surprised that it actually has a post-production arm yes they are, and I think you know it's it's normal for people to get even myself. I was the same when I came before I came. It was like ITN is news, isn't it? You know, of course, you know they're award winning news, and you know, but actually, when you when you come here and you realize how much more than that they are, you know, it's is is incredible, and you know, um, and I guess you know they started post production started as a kind of internal thing, but it's now become you know a commercial arm as well. So, um, um. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think people ever ever think um, of um, post production uh, ITN as a thing. But uh, we're really, really big, and uh, and and as, as I said, we we do work for all of the um, different uh, parts of um, ITN, um, including like as you know, recently you know ITN technology team, you know, which are incredible, and they do you know. So we've done the coronation, we did the funeral, you know. We do, there's a lot of um, work. Um, that we do, we collaborate with, you know, and it's kind of like that kind of um, cross-pollination between the departments is amazing because you can draw on so much expertise, you know, I'm loving it. I'm loving being here because there's so much support from the different parts of the company that whenever you're doing something new, you can always draw on that expertise. So um, there's a lot of that going on, which um, which is new to me, you know, and I, I really, really appreciate being in that kind of um, situation now. So you mentioned that you started a couple of years ago with um, with ITN. So clearly coming into an organization which, as we all know, going back you know a couple of years from now, we're still in sort of COVID times, still restrictions. There's obviously lots of restrictions about you know working uh, together, but also we've seen a huge growth in remote working and people being able to work remotely. So I wonder maybe two aspects of that is one is, Ed, in terms of your own experience of joining an organization through that period, you know, how, how has that been? And then the second thing is, what do you think the impact, good and bad, um, of people being able to work remotely has been through that time? So, yeah, I mean, joining um, ITN in COVID times was tough. You know, it was really uh, difficult to uh, be here and there was no one around, you know, you kind of... Uh, um, it took me about a year, as I was saying earlier. It took me about a year to get to get to know my own team, um, and uh, it took me even longer to kind of get to know everyone else within, you know, the building. So, I think I think that was hard, and I think that's definitely a completely different experience to any other kind of uh, jobs I've ever done before. Not having that kind of initial get to know people and you know face to face type thing, which because ultimately, you know, I feel there's nothing like face to face. I mean, it's we can go into talking about the the pros and cons of remote, but in that initial kind of like bedding in to any company, I think being being in person would have totally helped me. I think is that idea. I always sort of talk about um, learning by osmosis, <laughs> and it's like when you kind of in a in a office environment and you like you know new and you're just listening to people's conversations and you say oh who is that or oh, that's the exec on that that is so and so that and you just even by being that you're learning you're learning new things you're learning to know who's who you know you, you're privy to, to conversations that you you would not have at home so I think I definitely kind of uh it took me longer I guess to uh to to get to know everyone and to get embedded into into, into the company than it would have I think normally um but in the kind of general kind of thing of remote and definitely in post-production, I think I think there's pros and cons, doesn't it? I mean, there's, you know, obviously it's been huge amounts of, uh, you know, pros in terms of kind of allowing people to have, you know, that whole balance, you know, life-work balance, you know, um, and um, flexibility in terms of kind of, you know, caring for children, caring for, you know. So that that's obviously great. I mean, also it's a pro is 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 being able for for us and for a lot of people, it's been kind of like scaling up and down in terms of the amount of facilities that you can offer. So obviously you're not limited to brick and mortar. You know, you just have a lot more than you know. Like here, we have thirty odd kind of physical rooms, but we now go up to however many we want. You know, you know, we have 
racks racked up machines in 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 machine rooms but also you know we can also grow in the cloud as well so it's kind of allowed us to kind of um scale up and down depending on how busy we are we, and that is always a good thing you know you don't have to invest so much anymore in in kind of um having tin you know anymore that that's something that people are just not thinking anymore that way you know that I, I definitely don't want to grow physically anymore I don't need to so uh and I think uh what we're doing now is kind of really uh, fitting what is you know depending on which production and and on what that production needs then you will do remote or you will do on-prem you know and I think there's definitely some productions that benefit more from being on-prem uh, some people, it just depends on the person and the producers. You know, it's, it's very much their uh, choice. And sometimes, you know, is specifically the production needs it, like a quick turnaround needs to be in house because it starts, you know, so many quick decisions being made. Sometimes you have a multi episodic, for example, and they want to be in house as well because you have a serious producer that wants to go in and out of different edit suites. And, you know, and, um, but then there's there's other productions that really suit to be remote, or they might do remote for however many weeks and come back in and do um, like a fun cut, you know, for a week in house. So, so it's just you know offering that flexibility. I think there's been you know I think it's, it's it's a good thing. You know, we I mean the thing is we were remoting, you know, we were doing that you know in post production for a while. We were just not doing it at large where we you know we were not suddenly having to kind of deploy a post facility from one day to the next, which was what happened. <laughs> and that was scary. But we you know but that was business continuity, wasn't it? And that was, you know, and now I think definitely now 23 feels like we are settling into uh the post-COVID world and um and then, you know, and how things, I guess, are going to be from now on, you know, and what people want, you know. Uh, uh, I feel like, you know, in so many ways, things are settling down in terms of, yeah, ways of working and in terms of uh, availability of staff, in terms of kind of catching up on um, and on, you know, having enough trained up people in the industry. As you know, we had a massive kind of sort of like a black hole in, in the thing because we didn't have any new blood coming in we didn't have any runners post-production facilities were closed so that kind of you know meant that we didn't have enough juniors coming through and it was at a time you know really tough to get the right skills and the right the right people in uh everyone was booked up you couldn't get editors you couldn't get edit assistants you couldn't get you know i feel this year we you know we'll catch up on that what i was going to ask you was you know you, you talked there about in, in many ways, um, you know, you're very experienced within the industry and you talked about the challenges that you felt that, you know, coming in through that time, you know, posed, posed for you. What do you think it's meant for younger people coming into the industry and how have you tried to work with the younger staff that you have within, uh, within ITN to kind of foster them and help them through that period? And I also want to ask questions about lifelong learning and stuff like that as well, but specifically for newer people and younger people who've come in, how challenging do you think it's been and how have you tried to work with them to help them through that? It's been really tough. I feel really sorry for some of them starting and again, not having that experience that we were talking about earlier about, you know, just being in an office environment where you sit in next to someone else that's already been doing the job for however many long and you can just ask them straight away question after questions rather than, you know. So um, I've tried to, you know, as we kind of um, came out of COVID, as I was here in 21, I 
we always, I mean, post-production always had people in. We never closed, did we? You know, so we always had to have um, someone in that doing the, the things, you know, uh, facilitating people being remote. But with the youngest, you know, I think, again, he was just kind of shadowing with some, you know, you always had to have someone shadowing someone else and um, trying to, you know, there was an element of stuff that you can, you can learn remotely. You can teach someone, you know, remotely how to, uh, how to kind of like, I don't know, use an Avid or do an, or do a conform or do things like that. But you can't teach them, like we were saying, all those soft skills that you're teaching someone in my in my time. I've trained so many people in 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 those soft skills. You know, it's kind of like how to answer a phone. Because you know, often they're very young. They're coming, you know, from uni. They haven't had an experience in an office at all. They haven't, you know, worked anywhere like that. So you have to teach them, you know, I think. You know, teaching the skills is the easy part. You know, how to use an Avid, how to use the thing, how to do all those things is is the soft ones. You know, is how do you speak? You know, how do you pick up the phone? What to ask? What you know? I've had so many things that people come and say, someone's called. You know, and it's like, who was it? Oh, I don't know. What do you ask them? You know, what production they're working in? It's kind of things like that. And and, and like I said about myself, you know, if they can't hear. Someone having a conversation, who's who, who's the exec, who's the thing, who's the talent coming in for a voiceover, how to kind of, is how to talk to people, what's okay, what's not, you know. And I feel that I always want to have them around so that I, I can kind of direct them as well and hear how they're dealing with people. And, you know, so I think we always had here at least a couple of people being able to, with the new people, they have to be here full time because they can't be at home to start with. So I think that's, you know, that was always the case. And at the moment, actually, I've got about three or four new members and stuff. And I can see how much better the setup is for them now because I can get them to shadow different senior people. And they like, they're like coming, you know, they're just kind of like um, getting better so much quicker than, you know, than, than before, you know. So so I think for the development of, of, of new stuff, you really... You can't not you can't do that remotely. In my in my opinion, and as I said, you know, you can do courses, you can learn, you know, and uh, you can go to Netflix IMF kind of thing on YouTube, and you can learn how to do that. Yeah, you can, you can get all all sorts of things like that. But is is all the other stuff around it that you need to be in person, um, and that's what we do here, definitely. How important do you think it is? And again, this is maybe going back to what you spoke about at the start of your, the development of your own career. How important do you think it is for people? who have got experience to take on those kind of mentoring roles to help people in the industry. Absolutely huge. So important. You can't, you know, everyone, if you talk to anyone in this industry, everyone's got, has had a mentor in, in different types, in the times of their career. You need to have someone that helps you out. You need to have someone that, you know, pushes you along, you know, that someone that has your back and someone saying, I, I, I do that all the time myself and I really enjoy it. And I also mentor other people within within ITN at the moment as well with different departments. But um I also want my team to do that. So in terms of, you know, that you know, we have my seniors kind of, you know, teaching the mids and the mids teaching, you know. So there's always an element of that. And I think that's always been the case in post. You know, we've always had to do that in a way, is that whole I always sort of say it's like a conveyor belt of, you know, people can start a career, you teach them, and then eventually off they go to be editors, this, that, and the other. But um, we have to have those mentors. We have to all take that responsibility, I think, you know, in our industry. 
and even more so now when we know that it's such you know the lack of skills and the lack, I mean, there's not enough people out there to kind of do the work that we have as an industry at large i think not just post isn't it it's kind of like studios and all sorts so i think you know we all need to take that on to make sure that you know that the industry survives and and thrives not survives you know we 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 want more and more people to come into the industry which again i know is is, is an issue how do we how do we attract those people if we don't have a framework where we are actually kind of um um supporting all the new people coming into the industry then we have we're going to have a problem aren't we so i think encouraging everyone you know and i know i mean everyone that i know in the industry you know does that everyone you know is so used to doing it but is 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 how to kind of make it i mean we've got apprentices as well we've got all sorts of things but it's like how do we get that volume of people coming into it and and support them super important there is another element, of course, to, to to training, and that is for people who are already in the industry, because as well as encouraging younger people to come in and join, you know, you don't come in and join and then you stay in the same job for 40 years through the course of your career. Chances are, you know, things are going to change. So how significant and important do you think it is for those who are already within the industry to then have opportunities to perhaps move and migrate and to try things that perhaps someone from the outside might look at them and pigeonhole them into perhaps saying, well, they've always been an editor or they've always worked in audio, but they may have skills that are appropriate for something else as well. So how important do you think it is that lifelong learning is part of what we encourage within the industry as well? Again, it's hugely important. I mean, we work in, in technology with technology, you know, how quickly technology is constantly changing. So, you know, it's part of parcel of what we do. We have to constantly be learning. You know, it's a bit like being a doctor. I was like, my sister's a doctor, and it's like she's always learning. You know, and with 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 um, technology, it's the same. Is is constantly having to catch up, constantly having to find that time to do it. So, is allowing that time to happen for your team definitely. I think I, I'm always trying to kind of make sure that all the new things are coming through that, you know, where there's a new camera, where there's a new workflow, where there's, you know, there's, I mean, I'm learning every single day I have to look something up because, you know, something new's come up, you know. So I think it's, it's, it's part of what we do. And I think it's important to allow also people to have um, the opportunity to move into different places. And I think that's just why ITN is great, you know, because we do so many different things, you know, you know, like, as you know, we do the coronation, like I, went to the coronation because I wanted to be in the outside, you know, to have a look at the whole operation and how amazing it was, you know, so I did a lot of my own personal development there. And I think um, I do that with the rest of the team here. You know, if you ever want to go and kind of have a look, you know, at the news or this and that, you know, things that, you know, because you might, sometimes, you know, your skills can completely kind of go, like you were saying, you can, you can adapt it to something else. I think the idea that, you just if you're an editor you can't go into something else is is it's not correct at all you know i think you know sometimes actually after a few years doing something you realize that you can apply it to something else and i think allowing that to happen is is really really important and sometimes you become a better better at something else because you've had like an experience of you know say if you want to move into audio even if you've been a picture editor you know picture editors do a lot of audio editing, you know, in their role. So I think, you know, to be close-minded about that is is silly. I think I'm always um, encouraging that and encouraging people to kind of, even if you don't want to move from one thing to another, just 
experience something else does give you a better understanding of what you're doing day to day as well. So um, all that cross-pollination, I think, is always positive. I, I completely agree. I mean, I think the other aspect of that is that you bring a different viewpoint to a, to a, to a different role because you see it from another angle as opposed to something that you've been, you know, kind of purely focused on. And um, you talked there a little bit about, you know, technology and technology constantly changing. We've talked a bit about re remote working as well. How do you think the advances in technology have enabled remote working? Because I thought you said a really interesting thing earlier, which was a lot of the technology that people implemented through the course of COVID had existed for a while, but people just really hadn't been done. It had been seen yeah. as a disaster recovery measure. It was something that we put in place. Um, whereas a lot of those technologies now have, to an extent, become mainstream. So how do you think the technology developments have actually helped deliver these kind of remote workflows that give you the flexibility that you mentioned earlier? Well, it's been amazing, hasn't it? I think, like like you say, you know, we 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 had ways of remoting into things for ages, but it, it was kind of like how to deploy uh, fully fledged facilities, you know, that, you know, and it's really funny because at the beginning, you know, you had what you had, didn't you? And we just put something in place and people were so happy <laughs> that you allowed them to be at home that it was like, so we, you know, when, you know, I was in office, we, we had RGS and we had, you know, zero clients that you send it to people just because we had them lying about and we had to send, you know, so that was that business continuity. And, Obviously, we've got, you know, we've moved on a lot since then and we have all the different kind of remote uh, ways of doing things now. Whether you've got the tail ditches, the passes, the this or that. And I think, you know, the um, or the over-the-shoulder things, you know, which was uh, come a long way, you know, actually including Avid, which now the Microsoft Teams thing, which I haven't used yet, but I saw at NAB. So, um, so things have got better and better, you know, and uh, and I think now... Everyone expects that. So if you, you know, like I said before, people were so happy to be at home, but now they're like, everyone wants everything to work absolutely perfectly. So if you're an editor at home, you're an edit producer somewhere else and you're exec somewhere else and they want to kind of have a view, and all of those things have to come together seamlessly and people expect that. So so I think that's what's changed and that's what technology has moved on so quickly and, and so many people are competing to kind of have a slice of that market which is a good thing for us because you know we know that you know that people are going to want more and more of that and you want to kind of offer something that um works for them and it doesn't uh obviously uh doesn't take more time on a, one of the things i found really interesting with technology and what you deploy you know i i sort of feel now that i can give my clients what they need the tools are there. The technology is there, available. Uh, but I can't replicate, going back to what's good and what's bad about remote, I can't uh, make that communication between all of those different blocks of people happen. If that doesn't work, it's actually the technology is there, but it's how productions and people that work in production learn how the new ways of working and um, to make sure that they communicate in the same way as if they were in that room. Because we can't replicate, you know, we can replicate it, but we, you know, there's that thing about being in the same room uh, and decisions being made super quick and having that kind of um, communication that you can't, you can't really do in the same way if you, you know, you can, you can give them the tools, but it's, you know, but you can't kind of sort of say, actually it's going to take you the same amount of time or not, you know. So, Anyway, going back to uh, yeah, the technology, I think 
it's, it's amazing how um, how he's changed, how he's progressed, how are the different kind of players in the market. And we constantly uh, looking at the different ways of, of of doing things and which technologies, you know, better for what we do. Um, and obviously in the kind of wider ITN as well, not just post. I think now we have a lot more tools that we can probably uh, use the same tools, you know, in some of that, some of the remote, definitely. Uh, we've up to now kind of had different, you know, different solutions. Uh, but I think what's happening now is we kind of probably be looking at um, amalgamating some of the, some of the solutions that we have. Yeah. I mean, I think technology is one aspect. I think people is another aspect um, of it. And I think that what brings it all together is in many ways, it's a change management question about how you actually implement these kind of things, because it's it's not just about the technology working. It has to work for the production. It has to work for the people, you know, who are actually using it and, and implementing it. Because, you know, you can have the, 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 the best, most technologically advanced piece of kit in the world. But if it doesn't work for the production, it's actually going to be counterproductive to what's actually going on. So that that whole change management aspect to it, I think, has become much more sort of prominent now that if we are going to change how we're doing things, it has to be about not just the technology. It is absolutely fundamental. It has to be about adoption within the people to what's actually being uh, being done. Yeah, 100%. We don't force our technology onto people, you know, or we react to whatever um, our productions need, you know, and, and they're all different, you know, and it's, it's a bit like, you know, the right, you know, the right technology and the right workflow and the right for that production specifically. And that's why you kind of have different workflows for different productions, depending on what they're shooting. You know, we might, you know, adapt to, we, you know, a lot of our HDR workflows now, you know, they might come through Resolve and, then, and they're completely different to maybe ingesting things via Content Agent or via Avid. And it depends on so many things that are specific to the, that production. That's why, you know, you have a, you sit down with the production team, you, you hear what they're doing, you hear what they're shooting on, what they want to do, what they want to achieve. And then you provide for that, you know, and I don't think, you know, it, you're right. I think the technology is there for us to kind of grab. And there's so many different things there, but we don't force it on, you know, we just have to make sure that, that our teams are happy with what we're providing for them. Ed, it's been uh, great to, uh, to chat to you. Unfortunately, we haven't seen each other in person for some time, talking about going back to COVID and things I like know. that. So hopefully we'll get the chance to uh, uh, to meet up in the not-too-distant future. Um, but there is a final question I ask everyone in the podcast. And that question, Ed, is, what is it, if anything, that keeps you up at night? <laughs> uh, you know, I thought I was trying to think of something funny, um, Craig, to say. Um, but I couldn't think of One of the things that, you know... To, that really kind of keeps me up at night is, um, and it's related to what we were talking about, about um, staff, you know, and, and how to look after. I'm, I'm very much about looking after my team uh, and making sure that they're happy and making sure that I, you know, always look after what they need. And and one of the things that, you know, is tough to do as a manager is kind of like balance that whole thing about, um the deadlines, the stresses, and the well-being, you know, and all of the things I think are really, you know, are really difficult to balance. And I think you want to kind of make sure you look after your stuff and you give them, you know, what they need. Uh, but at the same time, you have business deadlines and you have, you know, and it's hard to do that. I'm always kind of thinking of ways of how to make sure that 
that I can provide that uh, for everyone and keep everyone happy, my clients, my staff and um, and everything else. So, yeah, that's something that I'm I always kind of on my mind. Nothing wrong with doing your best to make sure staff and clients are happy. Thanks to Ed for sharing her thoughts with us. Now, if you want to find out a bit more about some of the remote working solutions which Avid provides, such as Avid Edit On Demand or Avid Nexus Edge, then check out the show notes for links to more information. And you can also find links there to other podcast episodes in this season. What do you think of what Ed had to say? Don't forget to get in touch. I am Craig, AW1969 on social, and you can always email us. We are making the media at avid.com. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we are going to take a break for a little bit, so I wanted to take this chance to give a shout out to the rest of the podcast team, Vim Vandenbroek, Owen Lynch and Matt Diggs, and thank them for all their hard work over the past nine months since we started the season back in September last year. And it is September when we will be coming back. So why not take the chance now to subscribe to the podcast to get notified when we return with fresh new episodes. But that's a wrap for season three of Making the Media. Thanks to Ed for being our final guest. And most of all, thanks to you all for listening and for your support. Enjoy the summer. See you in September. And for me, Craig Wilson, and the rest of the Making the Media team, it's goodbye for now.